You're listening to the Keith to the City podcast. Voices rising like a church choir. All right, after a few impressive wins for the rebuilding Rangers, um, they were sort of set back to reality at the end of last week in Tampa Bay against the Lightning as the Lightning sort of avenged their loss to them uh, of two weeks prior at MSG. And joining me today to talk uh, Rangers and Lightning hockey is Eric Erlinson of the website Lightning Insider, as well as uh, the host of Lightning Lunch, which you can hear as part of Lightning website and NHL.com. Eric, how's it going today? I'm good, Neil. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking the time to come on and talk about the Lightning. And uh, I know on your Friday edition of the Lightning Lunch, you uh, mentioned that the win over the Rangers was sort of a statement game. The 9-3 blowout win sort of, uh, you know, the Lightning sort of looked like they're in a different league, which is what we've seen on many times from the Rangers this season is that they play uh, some of the superior teams in the league, whether it be the Lightning that game, the Bruins about a month earlier, but it just looks like they just don't belong on the same ice as them. Uh, the Lightning blow them out of the Amelie Arena uh, and, and made up for what happened at MSG a couple weeks before, getting four goals before the Rangers could even get a shot. It was about as convincing as a win as the Lightning have had all season. Oh, for sure. It, it, like, it's in a different classification when it comes to trying to you know, put it up there against some of the other uh, games they've had this year. Uh, it was just, you know, it's, it happens sometimes in the NHL. It's, it's just one of those nights where everything Tampa Bay was doing went in. Uh, you know, the Rangers certainly fed into that by taking the full uh, five-on-three, two, two simultaneous penalties to give them a full two-minute five-on-three. The power play thrived on that and just kind of snowballed from there. But, you know, where, where the Lightning are at in, in terms of what they're hoping to accomplish and what they want to accomplish and what they want to try and forget about what happened last year in the playoffs it's been this kind of building process for them uh, in the early stages of the season. And, you know, they'd been on an elevator ride. They'd been so up and down throughout the first five weeks of the season. They were just coming back from Sweden. They didn't want to be caught up in the old cliche about that first game back is tough. They wanted to come out and, and make a statement to themselves. And uh, uh, unfortunately for the Rangers, they just kind of got in the way. Yeah, wins now in four of their last six for the Lightning, who have sort of been off to a sluggish start, I guess, from a perspective that, you know, they're not going to be probably ever again as good as they were last regular season. But certainly, I think people and I think the team themselves would explain that they should be better than they are through the first six weeks of the season. What have you seen, you know, overall for this team? I know they had sort of a slow start, then the trip to Sweden doesn't really help things. But at least in the last week or so, they've looked more of like the Lightning that everyone expected to see this season. Yeah, certainly the schedule didn't help. You know, they open the season at home for one game, then they go on the road for six, they come home for three, then they go to New York for the three games, swing through that part uh, of the Northeast, then they head to Sweden. So the schedule didn't do them any favors in, in terms of what they had to deal with there. But to me, the bigger thing that we're kind of watching with this team is they want to sort of have a different mentality. They don't want to change the style of play that they have. They just want to change the mentality while playing that style, and that means – they don't want to be so high risk all the time. They don't want to be just a run and gun team. They want to be a team that manages the puck a lot better than they have in previous years. They want to make the simple plays when they're there. They don't want to force plays. And it's just kind of a shift in mentality that they're trying to get through to the players. So, 
you know, anytime you try and introduce something new, even to pro athletes in the situation, it, it does take a little bit of time to kind of get adjusted to that mentality. And as they work their way through that, now they're starting to get back to the team that can kind of be explosive offensively. You know, even the loss they had to the Winnipeg Jets the other night, uh, and the, the, the game that followed up against the Rangers, they had, I think, three times the number of high danger chances. And uh, I think they had uh, double the number of scoring chances. So their offense was there. Unfortunately for them, it wasn't like the game against the Rangers where everything went in. This time against Winnipeg, it just kind of went off posts or deflected just wide, those kind of things. So it's a mentality situation for this team to try and just think the game a little bit differently while still trying to keep your identity. Well, recently, uh, within the last two weeks, we've had uh, Tom Pody on the podcast, Mike Knubel, Pody speaking about his Capitals teams, which were always the one seed and couldn't get the job done in the playoffs. Knubel, the same thing with the Bruins in the early 2000s. You look at the Lightning last year, you know, one of the best teams historically, um, you know, in the modern era for the National Hockey League. Um, they get swept away by the eight-seeded Blue Jackets. And now it's sort of been this thing where the last few years, whether it was getting past the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Final, but losing in the Cup Final, um, you know, last year, the years in between where they're pretty much the majority pick to get to the cup or at least win it and they come up short um do you sense any you know sort of hangover or, or any effects from last season um lingering now into this season i i think when when you have the way the season ended last year and you have this longer off season than they're used to you know during the stretch they had the one year where they didn't make the playoffs and this was almost as close to it and when you have the expectation levels on you that Tampa Bay has, it, it's hard to sit around all summer. And then I think it's even harder that when you finally get to training camp and finally get things underway and you get to the season, you're facing teams like the Ottawa Senators who feel they want something to prove. Uh, you know, the New York Rangers who feel they have something to prove. Where the Lightning don't have anything to prove, it's harder for them, in my mind, to get up. And, and if that's part of the hangover, uh, that's a possibility. Um, you know, because it's when, when you climb the mountain the way the Lightning did last year and then just completely fall off the cliff, you get back to that start of the season and you're looking up the mountain going, oh, we got to get all the way up there again just to have a chance of redemption. It's, it's a difficult mindset to push yourself through. Uh, I think they've done a pretty good job because they bring in some, some new names of the Pat Maroon and Kevin Chattenkirk or Curtis McElhaney, you know, guys that are kind of bring a little bit of a different perspective into the room. Uh, because the only way this team gets any redemption for what happened last year is to get to the postseason and get to where they want to be at the end of the postseason. The regular season, all they have to do is get in. And I think that's the mindset, the, the mental toughness or the, uh, the hangover, if you will, that they have to push past. Yeah, and certainly the Blue Jackets proved just get in and anything can happen. And I feel like the Lightning, uh, it's a little unfortunate that their sort of championship window here is coinciding with the Maple Leafs, you know, stacking their young core, the Bruins going through their rebuild on the fly. Um, and even had the Lightning been able to get past the Blue Jackets, who really at the deadline made so many moves that if there was another month in the season, the Blue Jackets wouldn't have even probably been the 8th seed. They would have been a lot higher. Uh, but it just seems unfair for the Lightning right now that while they're going through this window, as best case scenario, you know, they come up and have to face a, a strong wild card team and then play the winner of Boston and Toronto. It just seems like uh, it's a little unfortunate for them right now. Hey, anybody's path to get to the Stanley Cup final, you're going to run into good teams. There's just so much parity in this league. Um, you know, it's, you, you know, you think about uh, the, the days of, of Mario and Gretzky. I mean, you know, if, if how many, how long did it take for Pittsburgh 
finally get a cup. And, you know, same thing for Steve Eisenman in Detroit. And, you know, it took him 13 years to get a cup because they would run into some of these teams, you know, and the Red Wings went through those struggles. And, you know, during those dynasty days, I mean, they were bouncing the first round once or twice. So um, I think it's even harder nowadays to win the cup. That's why I marvel at the fact that the Penguins won back-to-back cups a couple years ago because there's so much parity to so much talent. I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's even an argument to say that this is the most talent the league has ever had in its history, even with the most teams it's ever had in its history. And it's not easy to win a cup, and it's not even easy to win on a nightly basis, in, in, even in the regular season. Well, one of the Lightning who's uh, been exceptional, at least offensively this season, has been Kevin Chattenkirk, who he looks like the player the Rangers thought they were signing before injury sort of ruined his Rangers tenure. Um, it's unfortunate that his time with the Rangers had to end the way it did just because of uh, you know mismanagement with contracts and even going back to when they extended Stahl and Girardi rather than Strowman and Yandel. But Shattenkirk looks like the guy that was a Ranger and the Rangers probably should have kept around had they not screwed up their cap situation so badly. But what have you seen from him You know, both offensively and defensively now a quarter into his tenure as a Lightning? Well, we know his offense is his strength, and that's the strength of this team. So in that sense, it's been a perfect match. He's, he's found ways to get pucks up to some of the, the highly skilled forwards that the Lightning have. And, um, you know, he, he has such a knack for getting pucks through. Uh, you know, there's very few guys that I've seen come through, at least in Tampa Bay, and in my almost 20 years of, of following the team, to be able to get pucks through as well as, as Shattenkirk does. I think that's a huge part of his game. So from that aspect, he's been a perfect fit. Um, you know, and, and he, he even mentioned when he signed here after he got bought out, look, he, he felt he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He felt the Lightning have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So in that way, he felt there was kind of the right mentality for him to get in onto a team that has that mentality. Because uh, remember, he turned down multiple year offers from some other teams. This is where he wanted to end up going. You know, and they have the history of the trade that almost went through a couple years ago that he nixed when he was with St. Louis. Um, but on the other end of the ice, I mean, we know that that's not his strength. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to tell you he's been a deficiency back there. He's certainly uh, getting some help being paired with Victor Hedman. Uh, I, I think the bottom line with, with Kevin Shattenkirk, and it's similar to Dan Boyle, and obviously Dan Boyle finished his career with the Rangers, you know, such highly offensive defensemen. If they can just compete and, and not be a deficiency in their own end, they're going to have the creativity and the opportunity to do what they do in the offensive zone. And I think we've seen, after the first uh, couple of weeks, I think we've seen that out of Kevin Shattenkirk, and he's kind of been a lot better in his own end on a more consistent basis. It is weird to see uh, only Shattenkirk and Ryan McDonough now as the ex-Rangers on uh, what everyone up here refers to as the Rangers of the South, but you just mentioned Brian, uh, Dan Boyle, and, and you talk about Brian Boyle, Brad Richards, JT Miller, Strawman, Callahan. Um, it's, it's been pretty much a, a, a weird mix that these two teams have, have met up for so many trades or even so many free agent signings of, of, the, of the ex of the other teams over these last, I would guess, say five, six years now. Well, there's more lighting guys on the more ex lighting guys on the Rangers now with D'Angelo and uh, Brett Howden and Lieber Hayek. I mean, <laughs> it, it is crazy to think of the connections that have gone on through these teams in the last uh, what six years or so uh, to all the Rangers coming down here. You know, look, I remember Dan Girardi was asked that question one time. Uh, he said, "Why does why did so many of the ex Rangers end up down at Tampa Bay?" And he said, "Well, you know, we came from a winning uh, situation there." Uh, and we knew this was a situation down here, so it's it's no coincidence that you get guys who weren't able to get the job done with the Rangers saw an opportunity here with a Tampa Bay team and kind of brought some of that winning pedigree with them to try and help the Lightning get to where they want to be. Hasn't happened yet. Some guys have left. Obviously, Strongman's in Florida now. Uh, Boyle's been on to a couple different teams. He's down down with the Panthers now. 
Um, but at the end of the day, it, it is strange to kind of see some of the connections uh, through the years between the two franchises. Yeah, with Girardi, they honored him before the Raiders Lightning game at MSG a few weeks ago. He's retired now. He has the the podcast with the Lightning. Um, his time with the Rangers, I think people are reflecting on it more and now seeing the undrafted guy who started out in the East Coast League, uh, worked his way to the Rangers, became an all-star. Um, for everything he did in his prime as a Ranger, uh, you know, it's sort of now overshadowing the last few years where everyone blamed him for the cap situation when... It's not his fault he was offered the contract he was um, and was asked to play, you know, number one in two minutes when he was really a five or six at that point. But what's his, you know, legacy with the Lightning and how is he, you know, viewed and looked back on even though the Lightning fans only really got to experience him at the back end of his career? Well, probably for the biggest thing that he might have been known for with his days during the Rangers, and that was his ability to block shots. You know, even at the tail end of his career, he was a, a key penalty killer. Uh, with the Lightning during his two years here, here he got a lot of time to play uh, with Victor Hedman and be a play at stay at home guy. He wasn't getting the 22 minutes, but he was he was paired with Victor for a, a lot of that uh, uh, his tenure here. Uh, and his leadership and and the fact that they mic'd him up on more than a few occasions for the cameras during games, and you got to see some of the sense of humor because it's such a dry sense of humor that he has. And he doesn't really like to let that on when we talk to him in the media too much. So you got to see that side of him and. That's what's kind of led to this podcast idea that the team has uh, with him, uh, and so. I, but I, I think it, I think when when Lightning fans look at Dan Girardi, they're going to see the guy that kind of laid his, laid it out there. And look, he scored a huge overtime goal too. He had a, an overtime winning goal in uh, Game Four against the Bruins in Round Two that put them up three one in the series as well. Uh, so he's he's going to be finally remembered, even though it was only two years here. And on the other end of that, there's Ryan Callahan, who who I guess Lady Fan only really got to see for a couple years there before the degenerative back uh, disc issue sort of took his career from him. Um, you know, now also, I guess, retired, even though the Sabres own his contract. Um, you go back to that trade for St. Louis for Callahan. It still feels weird that St. Louis wasn't, a, a, you know, lightning forever, even though he did help the Rangers get to the Stanley Cup final and Eastern Conference final and back-to-back seasons. But, um I guess sort of a two-part question, and how weird was that trade when it happened? And, uh, you know, like Girardi's legacy, what is Callahan's with the Lightning? Yeah, I remember the day fondly uh, when that trade went down. You know, we'd all kind of heard the rumors as soon as uh, that the Olympics were over, and uh, he came back, and it was like, no way. Marty asked the trade, come on, that can't be the case. And, you know, and then, then for it to come to fruition, and, um, you know, for Ryan Callahan to be the guy coming back, it, it was and it was really weird to see Marty in a Rangers uniform. I got to cover Marty for almost his entire Lightning tenure down here, uh, that, that big part of that Hall of Fame career that he has. Uh, so it was really weird to see him in a Rangers uniform and then they come back that first time. And uh, you know, there were some concerns because of the way he did leave about how the fans would kind of react to his um, his return because a lot of fans were pretty bitter and you know, asking out in the middle of a, of a year in which the team was looked like it was heading to the playoffs and all that. Uh, but he got the, the ovation and the round of applause that he deserved. Um, and, and, you know, when he was kind of showing up on the video tribute board and then the fans did what the fans did and they booed him every time they touched the puck after that. So that was kind of the best type of respect that, that Marty could have had in his return. As far as Callahan down here in Tampa, everything that he brought to the ice is the same thing that he did during his time with the Rangers. It was that uh, sacrifice for the team above all. It was that leadership skill. It was that lead by example. Um, you know, he, he, he hit the 20-goal mark his first full year here. 
um, you know, and then he kind of took on a different role and then the hip injury and then the back and everything else. It kind of, we all knew with the way he played the game that at some point his body was going to tell him it was time to stop. Uh, but I, I think, you know, he was, he was an alternate captain the whole time he was here. Um, you know, Steven Stankos was already the captain, so he wasn't going to put the C on, but he was basically like a second captain while he was here because of all those elements that he brings to the ice and uh, really endeared himself to Lightning fans in the same way that he did with those fans at MSG and just putting his heart and soul on the line almost every shift. Well, there's been this divide the last few years uh, among Ranger fans. Who's, you know, some fans who wanted to see the Lightning win because they wanted guys like Callahan and Girardi, uh, Miller, Strawman, and everyone to, to finally get a cup. And then those who didn't want to see them win with another uniform on because they weren't able to finish the job as Rangers. But um, I guess now that that's not really an issue. You got Shattenkirk and McDonough, and I, I guess uh, you know Rangers fans can unite, and uh, they're they're most likely not going to get to the playoffs. But at least they won't have to root as heavily against the Lightning as they have in years past if the Lightning are able to go on. Run. Yeah, well, I, I know the Lightning fans are really looking forward to the opportunity to uh, being able to get on a run here because of what happened last year. It's uh, it's going to be a long road to get there. They're certainly not in that position right now. They got some ground to make up because of the the fewer number of games they played compared to everybody else. But uh, you know, this team feels like it can be the type of team that makes a run, uh, and that's what the whole regular season is going to be about for them. Is making sure you stay in position to get to the playoffs and then making sure you have the right mentality when you get there to play playoff winning hockey. All right, Eric, thanks again for taking the time to come on today and talk about the Lightning. I appreciate it, and uh, if they do go on this sort of run, I'll be backing them for the first time in a long time. <laughs> All right, sounds good, Neil. Thanks for having me on.